The following message is brought to you by the CD and Internet Ministry of Rancho Baptist Church. This message by Pastor Matt Shia was recorded during our morning worship service. Pastor Matt is the senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Well, today is the culmination of a three-day celebration of Rancho Baptist Church's 25th anniversary. For a quarter of a century, God has been using Rancho Baptist Church here in Temecula, California to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and who live to reach their world for Christ. Today is a special day because the second pastor of Rancho Baptist Church, Pastor Mike Albin, will be bringing us the Word of God and a word of encouragement to share with the congregation. Let's join Pastor Mike now. You guys have gotten older since we've been here. Not us. Uh, been gone about 11 years. And I say to you, Shalom. Shalom is the Jewish way of saying hello and goodbye. It's the Hebrew word for peace. It's more than just a way of greeting. It's a blessing. Shalom. May you know God's peace. And that's my desire for you. When I think of shalom, this word peace defines a soul that is at rest. That is in right relationship with your Creator. A right relationship with your own self. A right relationship with your loved ones, your family, those that you know in the body of Christ. There, there's a sense of, of wholeness, of completeness. Uh, when I think of shalom, I, I think of the smell of, of fresh baked bread. Shalom. I think of an experience like last night. We're walking to our car. I looked up and I saw the night sky with the beautiful stars and, and felt the breeze uh, tugging my, my shirt tails. And I think this is... I'm at peace with God. Shalom. Shalom to you. I yearn for that. For each one of us. And so this morning I want to talk to you about how to to experience shalom. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians has been called the Grand Canyon of Scripture. Because when you look at the wonderful truth in God's Word, it's like looking at the Grand Canyon for the first time. You just stand back and you are in awe of the wonderful truth contained in this little letter. You you say to yourself, something happened here. This is wonderful. And you study, you look at it. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to a church he helped to start. You can read about that church start in Acts, I think it's... uh, 18, somewhere in there. And uh, he was with this church for a couple of years. He, he taught the Word of God there continually and so effectively that that whole peninsula, now known as Turkey, was evangelized. They heard the Gospel. And, and, and from that little church in Ephesus, the Holy Spirit worked mightily and did wonderful things. Paul preaching the whole counsel of God for two years. And then he brought in his protege, Timothy. You know Timothy. The, the two books in the Bible, Paul wrote to him, Timothy. And so they had this godly man teaching the Word of God. This church was a strong, Bible-believing, teaching church. But as you continue to read the Scriptures, you, you read the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as He walks among the seven churches, He points out and calls out this church. And He says, this I have against you. You have lost your first love. How can that be? Here are a people who were blessed 
with great Bible teaching from none other than the Apostle Paul, who received this letter of Ephesians, who had the great pastor Timothy, who had a great tradition, and then they lost their first love. They lost the experience of shalom. And so I wanted to take a moment this morning to to look at chapter 4 because this is in the middle of, of the whole progress of this book. Ephesians falls into three parts. In chapters 1 to 3, it describes the great wealth and blessings that we have by God's grace, the riches of His inheritance, the great doctrines of the Word of God. There's only one commandment in chapters 1 to 3, and that is to remember what you were like before His grace saved you. And so as you remember that, you see the great blessings that God has for you, the great calling that you have. Then the second part of Ephesians talks about how to put that into practice. It talks about not just your wealth in Christ, but your walk in Christ. How do you live this out? And there's commandment after commandment over relationships and so forth and on. It's, it's a great study on practical Christian living. And then the third part of Ephesians is chapter 6, verses 9 through the end of that chapter, which talks about our warfare, that we are engaged in battle. And we need to take our stand against the enemy and put on the full armor of God and be people of prayer, praying in the Spirit to fight the battle. And so as you read Ephesians, Paul is saying, listen, if you want to know all that God has for you, first of all, remember all that God has done for you. Know all these truths. Put them into practice. And and the more you put them into practice, the more you realize this is hard. Somebody doesn't want us to do this. There's a spiritual battle going on, and I need to put on the armor. And so as you walk through this, and you put on the battle armor, and you fight, you say, I need to know more about God's truth and what He's done for me. So you go back to chapters 1 to 3, and you and you mine the, the depth of the riches of His glory, and you say, wow, what God has done for me. And that motivates you to say, now how do I live? And so you, you go back to the second part, and you see, oh, here's something I miss, here's something I need to do. And as you do that, you, you become more and more an enemy of the evil one. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a picture that the church is besieging the gates of hell. We are in warfare. We are are pressing the gates to rescue those in darkness. And so everyone is a warrior. That's shalom. It's hard, but it's good. And so Paul writes to us in verse 1 in Ephesians 4, this is the key to the front door to moving from just knowing about this to practicing. You see, the Bible is written not just to inform us, but to transform us. And verse 1 is the key to that front door. And Paul says in verse 1, As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. And there he is in chains. That's a picture of him before King Festus. And he he says, I'm a prisoner. Actually, he's a prisoner of Rome. As he writes this, he's he's a, he's been in chains connected to centurions, and he's appealed his his uh, his uh, sentence to the uh, Nero, and he's in Rome and he's writing. But he sees himself in a new way. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm not here because of them. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And uh, he saw himself in this new paradigm. 
And Paul was arrested on the road to Damascus by his Lord and said, follow me. And he was compelled by Christ's love to, to share the gospel. This jar of, of clay was, was hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. He was perplexed but not in despair. He was persecuted, but not abandoned. He was struck down, but not destroyed. He was always carrying around in his body the death of Jesus Christ to show that this all-surpassing greatness in his life was not of himself, but of God himself. This body that he had was whipped five times by 39 lashes. He was, he was stoned to death, or thought to death. He was, he was beaten with rods five times. He writes that he was shipwrecked three times. He was, in, he was constantly on the move. He was in danger, uh, from rivers and from bandits and from countrymen and from Gentiles. In danger in the city, in the country, in the open sea. He, he was in danger from his false brothers from, uh, and he, he labored and toiled hard as a tent maker to be able to share the gospel and doing so, he, he went, he worked hard, he went, he was hungry, he was, he was poorly dressed, he was naked, sleepless nights. And I say, Paul, why did you do this? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Not some political cause, not some holy war. No. Why, Paul? I want to know Christ. And the power of His resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. That I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. I want to, I want to be raptured before the Lord. I, I want to know Him. Paul, why do you live like this? I, I press on to take hold of that for which He took hold of me there on Damascus. He has a reason for my life. And, and I press on that I might, towards the goal to win the prize that He's called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And forgetting those things that are behind, I strain to reach out for all that He has for me. In Paul's last written remarks to his protege Timothy are quite telling. He says, I'm already poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. I've fought the good fight. I've, I've finished the faith. I, 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 the race. I've finished the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who long for His appearing. No, Paul was not a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of the Lord. And he says to us, join the company of the captured. I want you Ephesians to step into this and to join me. Yeah? What the world counted as an embarrassment being in jail, Paul counts as his highest honor. And he glories in his chains for Christ like a king glories in his crown. A prisoner of the Lord? (laughs) No. Real life begins when you surrender to the Lord and you know that you are His captive. That's when real life begins. When you realize that Jesus is, is true when He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it for my sake. 
Yes, it is true that when we take up His cross and follow Him daily, we enter into His abundant life, this thing I call shalom, this, ab- this abundant life, and we experience that peace. It's living life to the fullest. It's living life on the stretch. It's living life with courage in the hard times and sacrificing everything to bring glory to Him. It's a life that's marked trying to do what only God can do. We, we want to expect great things from God. We want to attempt great things from God. Isn't that Wycliffe's uh, the motto? Expect. That's it, man. Faith, faith that sees the mighty victory and, and sees the impossibilities and shouts, it can, it can be done because our God is able to do above and beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. There is so much more. When we answer God's call and let Him control our lives, He moves us into situations that, that are, are life-transforming. Take, for example, Peter, the fisherman. Here's this guy, stuck in his family business on the north shore of the Galilee, catching fish for a living. All the young boys in the town would hope that a rabbi would see in, in us and me, promise and, and choose me to, to be his disciple and, and learn to be a rabbi, but Peter didn't make the cut. He missed his chance. And so, okay, I guess I'm going to spend my life here in the Galilee, you know, catching fish until Rabboni come and, and saw him and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter did. And who could imagine that this fisherman would write the books that you've been studying for the past year? I didn't know he could even write. But what truth he found. What, he would go all the way to Rome representing his Lord Jesus Christ. What a transformation from Galilee to all over the world to, to proclaim the gospel. And after Jesus rose from the dead, there was Peter again back there on the Galilee fishing. And he looked up and there was a guy on the shore. Have you caught any fish? Yeah. So throw your nets. And they bring in this haul of fish. And as a fisherman, I'm thinking, yeah, this is what I like to do. I mean, there were so many. They counted these fish, these big fish. And so Peter swam ashore and, and Jesus had a fire to barbecue the fish. And after they ate, Jesus took Peter aside and he said to Peter, do you love me? More than these? More than fishing? More than your friends? More than where you, what you know? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you, do you really love me? Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. And then Jesus said this to Peter. Peter, when you were young, you used to go where you wanted to go and do what you wanted to do. But when you get older, people are going to take you by the hands and and tie you up and take you to places you don't want to go. Follow me. Indeed, that came true. And as we follow the Lord... He does that. He takes us to places I don't want to go. That's where shalom is. That's where peace is. We can't stay stuck in our place 
Lord, I want to join the company of the captured. And that call is still happening today. Not happening. It's going on today. I know a couple. They were fat and happy in Whittier Hills, conservative Baptist church, making a living. Nice people. You'd want to have them in your church. I mean, they did their stuff. They worked for the church and so forth. And one day the Lord said to Bill and Jeanette Gray, follow me. And he left his position. I think, well, you're CEO of Stag Chili, counting beans to make sure he had the right amount of beans for each can. Consumer Report, best chili in the nation at the time, doing a good job. And the Lord said, follow me. And these two people, youngsters that they weren't, went back to school, got their training, and then they entered real life, and it's called the ministry. And they got beat up, because that's what sheep do to people sometimes. And so Titus ministry starts, and who would have imagined all those years ago that now Jeanette is an author, has written a great book on women's ministries, has an influence on this church big time, and Bill has a ministry all over, in my life, deep, and other guys like me, who could have imagined You'd be sitting here today. Of course, it's expensive to your family, like your daughter there. And others have paid the price. It's expensive to, uh, to your family to follow the Lord, isn't it? But it's worth it. It's shalom. I'm looking out there, and I'm looking at the Galpins. I'm looking at, you know, the Paytons. I'm looking at a mission. And they do this, and, and they have to leave all this behind and go to culture shock and all this stuff that goes on. But you know what? Paul says to us today, with his prison chains on, he invites us to join him in this grand adventure of living all out, full stretch for the Lord. He says, I urge you, and that word urge, I like that word. It's the same word form that Jesus used in John 14 when he introduces to us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he calls the Spirit the Comforter. It's the word paraclete. And this word urge is the word paraclesis. It means I call you to join me at my side as the Holy Spirit has come along to our leaning side. Join me. Take up your chains. Be captured by the Lord Jesus Christ and come to my side. Join me in life's greatest adventure is a shalom. That's, I think, how we experience it. That's, that's the key that unlocks all these treasures, that what that really means that we begin to say, wow, it's always been there in, that, in those first three chapters. Now, it's wonderful. It's transforming. How rich am I since Jesus came my way, redeemed my soul and changed my night to day. How rich, how very rich am I. Have you done that? Have you surrendered to join the company of the captured? And when you do, here's the second part of what Paul says. He wants, he says, I, I urge you to live a life worthy. And so I'm saying to you, balance your behavior with your blessings. In your message notes, I, I've shown you how that works, but he says to live a life worth, worthy, the word to live is actually the word to walk around, as in all walks of life. What is your walk of life? Oh, I do this for a living. I do this for a living. You know, but that's our chosen lifestyle. And, and so to, to walk is, is to follow Christ. We are walking on a journey following Him. 
The, the early church understood that. And they lived that in so it's such a way that they became known as the way. That was their first name. You look in the book of Acts and you see them referred to as the way. They were on a journey. And when, yes, when we follow Christ, we, we engage in a spiritual strategic journey to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And, and so when we, we try to do and, and, and seek what Jesus requires, we choose to stay on His right path. We, we choose to engage and fight the obstacles that are in front of us of following the Lord and, and to deal with the testings that come our way as He trains us and to resist the temptations that come our way more so as the enemy throws them at us and to seek forgiveness when we fail and to get back on the path and keep on going and, and we keep on fighting the evil one. This is the way. This is the walk that we need to balance our life on as we strain forward to what is ahead. We realize it's just always beyond our reach. There's always, there's always more. There's so much more. Hey, grow old with me. Uh, the, the, the best is yet to come. We haven't seen it all. In the Chronicles of Narnia, in the last volume, the, the, the last battle, C.S. Lewis describes our journey as one that pulls us forward into the kingdom of God. He goes on to say that the further up and the further in you go, the bigger everything gets. The inside is larger than the outside. And uh, Lewis concludes those chronicles about those characters in, the, in that trilogy. He says, and this is the, only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been to the cover and title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter 1 of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Are you writing your story now? Yes, we can do all things that Christ asks us to do. We can move forward. We, we, we know that God is able to do above and beyond all we could ask or imagine. And so on this walk, He calls us to attempt the undoable, to think the unthinkable, to, to, to let Him have control of our lives and draw us forward into this great kingdom. So let us then walk worthy. Now the word worthy is illustrated by that picture on the screen and on your message notes. And the word worthy means uh, actually to balance the scales with equal weight. And so what's worthy here, I'm looking at this chapter, is that, all right, chapters 1 to 3, here's doctrine. And so let's balance that doctrine with our duty, with our delight. Uh, let's walk, let's walk our talk. Let's show what we know. Let's, let's uh, act like what we believe. Balance it out, just not knowing it but balancing out with actively practicing it. And I've given you three examples there for you to look at. Let's just look at them quickly here. Uh, first of all, God's forgiveness. In Ephesians 1.7, the blessing that we have, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with God's riches. And in Ephesians 4.32, on the walk side, because you have been forgiven, let us practice being kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as God and Christ forgave you. I didn't deserve forgiveness and the people that you need to forgive don't deserve your forgiveness. Don't withhold it. Forgive them and let it go. Leave room for God's wrath. So balance 
God's forgiveness with you, with your forgiveness of others, and be forgiven as well. And then, as you also see, God's adoption in Ephesians 1.5. It says that He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with His pleasure and will. God has adopted you to be a member of His family. And not just anything, but as a son, which is not a, a... gender thing it's a it's a title that you have the full rights of all the blessings of your father and so but in ephesians 5 1 it says be imitators of god therefore as dearly beloved children act like your daddy balance it out you're a member of, of god's family then act like a child of his and here's another one balance the spirit's permanent ceiling uh ephesians 1 13 by not grieving the Spirit of God. Ephesians 1.13 says, here's the blessing. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That's right. That's He's your guarantee to salvation. But in Ephesians 4.30, you balance that truth with this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. You have a Wonderful relationship with God who lives inside of you in the third person, the counselor. And you can grieve Him by harboring sin in your life and not letting go. So don't grieve. Let it go. And here's another one to balance. Just another example. And that is God's gift of wisdom, Ephesians 1.8. He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding in Ephesians 5.15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Seek wisdom. How do you do these things? The practical application. So to walk worthy means to follow our Lord Jesus Christ daily in order to honor Him uh, with thinking and acting like Jesus. So what then? The third part, Paul says, I want you to live worthy of the calling you've received. And that is to follow your calling. Message notes. Uh, You are called. Not just to salvation. But what? Well, Ephesians 1.18 says that know the hope of your calling that He's given to you. That I pray that you, your eyes might be open, that you might know this great riches that He has for you. So live according to that calling. Uh, in the, uh, Romans 8.28, it talks about the test, trust the purpose of your calling. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are the called according to His purpose. And so as you do that, You begin to see life. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm here on purpose. God has worked all these things together. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And so you write your story, not as a victim, but as a victor. You trust your calling. So the calling we receive begins the day we were born again, but it continues on with that. And so we realize that our God is large and in charge. He's going to take care of us, and so we live with confidence. And then thirdly, We need to do our part in the body of the called out. That's what the word church means in the original language. Called out. And you are part of the called out ones. Life no longer is normal. In Ephesians 4.4, it says there is one body, one Lord, one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith. The Lord has called you to connect to, to be committed to, the called out ones, a local church, this local church, hopefully. That's what he says. If you want to know God's shalom, this is where you practice it. Uh, this is where we 
find out God's fullness. And then we also read in Ephesians, it says uh, that, well, I missed one, let me go back, Ephesians 4, 4.13, uh, that God has given you pastor teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up to become mature and reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Your pastors are here to equip you, to connect you together, that you might come to shalom and wholeness. You can't do this alone without being an involved part of the local church. And that brings us to the next one. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope and one faith. So, I had a great joke to tell you, but I don't have time. But (laughs) C.S. Lewis put it this way, the basic laboratory for knowing God is Christian community, right here. And so as we connect to a church, we see in Ephesians 4.3 to uh, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, through the bond of shalom. Make every effort. Strain for it. Work for it. Engage in it. Have you surrendered to the Lord as your captor? Does His love constrain you, compel you? Are you working on balancing what you believe with how you behave? Are you following the Lord according to your calling? Now, we need to move out of being a company of consumers to the company of the captured. We need to follow a calling. Now, not everyone's going to be called to go to the mission field or do what the grace have done. But uh, I was talking to John Thompson yesterday, and I said, John, I want you to know you're preaching my sermon. But I'm going to use this as an illustration. He said, he, he walks up to me, he says, Mike, I don't know what this thing calling is about. I'm thinking, hold it, I'm talking about this tomorrow. He said, I was called right here in this church. He said, we had a missionary Sunday come, and, and, and the guy came from Global uh, Recording Network and threw out the net, and he caught me as a fish. And, and, I, and I went and served at Global Network Recording for uh, recording network for three and a half years. Was that a great adventure, John? Jodine, was that a great adventure? Tell him to come home. He's staying too late. <laughs> it was an exciting adventure. You step out of the boat and, and you move forward. And this is what God is saying to you. He, as you see the needs in this body of Christ and missionaries, He says, come on. He might add, He resisted it at first. I resist it all the time. I don't want this, Lord. But here's, here's a, a picture on your message notes. This is a Peter who got out of the boat to walk on water. You know the story, to meet Jesus. And he got overcome by watching the waves. And he, and he sank and he got water in his lungs. And he's like, oh, help, Lord! And there he felt even the Lord's strong left hand hold him and pull him out of the water. That's, Shalom. That's a picture of me up there. Drowning unless he holds me up. You got to get out of the boat. You got to walk to Jesus. And you got to look to Him all the time and not the waves. If you want to know God's shalom, there it is. There it is. All out, fully living for Him. Heavenly Father, help us not to lose our first love. Let us not love the boat more than you, let us not love the fish more than you. But let us love you with everything we have. 
and transform us by the renewing of our minds as we read your scriptures and allow your to show us your good and acceptable and perfect will, Almighty God. We love you. And may this church be a place where we grow deeper in love with you and show that love to one another in Jesus' name. Hey, we are so glad that you chose to listen to us today. Our mission here at Rancho Baptist Church is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and who live to reach their world for Christ. If you have any questions at all regarding this particular broadcast or this sermon, or if you just want to know God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to contact us. You can call us here at the church at area code 951-676-2911. That phone number again is 951-676-2911. Or you can contact us on our website at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's ranchobaptistchurch.org. Trust that you have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you walk with Him.